study halls, SATs, liberal arts, student loans, layoffs, bailouts, broken dreams. This is not our future. Things are different for us. You can invent an app, start a blog, sell things online. My friends and I, we promote parties. Bring your friends, bring all your friends. If they look like you, bring them all. But if you're a DJ, all you need is a laptop, some talent, and one track. That track is your ticket to everything. That guy right there? See that handsome man right there? He's DJing. I'm DJing. It's just a side room, though. Greetings, all. How you doing? Welcome to the Judas Papers. Um, did that sound familiar? Do you recognize that? The, the, the trailer for that new Zac Efron movie, We Are Your Friends. Um, it came out last week. Um, fortunately, it bombed horribly. Like, I think fortunately. I think it's a good thing because the movie looked really awful. Looked like it oversimplified the DJ culture, or at least as I'm familiar with it. But today we have DJ Technicolor, my buddy uh, Morgan Gould. Uh, we're talking to, but back in the day, uh, when I tried my hand at, at DJing, this is roughly 10 years ago, maybe a little less, um, Morgan and I kind of ran in the same social circles. Uh, uh, we traded off tips a little bit here and there. He seemed like a, a devout vinyl guy and, and strongly into, uh, you know, the indie bands, which I was too, but I was a little bit more open to the electronic artists. Um, you know, and I haven't really talked to Morgan much since then, since it seems, but he seems like he's been doing really well with uh, booking gigs, getting out there, getting on the strip. Um, and I'm very impressed. I'm very happy for him. You'll see in the interview, he's, he's a very dedicated, hardworking guy, and and he definitely deserves the success he's found. While me, it's, it's not so much. I, I, I chose the work nine to five Monday through Friday and sleep the rest of the time route. But I didn't keep too well in contact with Morgan. I didn't know if he was going to come in here and maybe he just loves everything electronic now. You know, if he thinks every shitty thing that Swedish house mafia put out was brilliant. Um, You know, so I was kind of prepared to think I was going to, present some sort of profound argument that that a lot of electronic music is shit right now and he'd just be like oh my god man i didn't even realize it you know and then i'd like totally enlighten him but as you'll see in the interview morgan was pretty much like you're preaching to the choir but that was definitely relieving to hear that my old friend hadn't turned into some sort of club zombie but we got that out of the way we kind of discussed gear a little bit, and I'm sorry if I bore you in that part a little bit, but um, we get down a ways in the interview. It's it's pretty exciting because we start digging into uh, j- just where what shaped Morgan and 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 um, where his dedication and his his ethics come from, and it it's pretty exciting. Um, so I I push you to hang in there or or fast forward it whichever you prefer but one story i really like is one time morgan and i were driving around in my car and he had this bag of 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 bouncy eyeballs i don't know those eyeballs that i can't really describe them but you see them everywhere you know they got like the sticker on the back and the the little pupil bounces it around and he had like a 
bag of them with all kinds of different sized eyeballs. And he was talking about how when he got out, when he was going to book some gigs, he was going to differentiate himself by putting these eyeballs all over his record case, you know, so he'd have like all these eyeballs all over his record case, right? He was really excited about this. Um, and then he left the bag in my car. And for the next couple of years or so, I just drove around with this bag of eyeballs in my car. I'm like, I'll, I'll give it to Morgan next time I see him. And, and I didn't see him long after that. And I didn't bring that up in the interview. Um, I thought about it early on. I kind of forgot. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this and think, that fucker had my eyeballs. But I think I eventually threw the bag away. If I come across it, maybe I should make a better effort to get those eyeballs to Morgan. But back to We Are Your Friends, I guess another thing that got under my skin about that whole thing is is We Are Your Friends was a remix done by the band, the duo Justice from France, the other weird electronic duo from France. Um, I'm a huge fan of theirs. If you were hanging out with me anywhere from 2008 to 2012, you probably got an earful about them. I'll be playing remixes of those guys uh, here on out. But since I'm on such a nice little nostalgia trip here, I don't want to dig too deep. I'd rather, um, I kind of would like to read you some lyrics from LCD Sound System's song, Losing My Edge. I kind of like to listen to it sometimes, reminisce about the past. Uh, it's 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 a nice little bittersweet dance song. I, I encourage you to check it out, but um, I'd like to read it for you in my best um, Will Shatner impression right here. I'm losing my edge. I'm losing my edge. The kids are coming up from behind. I'm losing my edge. I'm losing my edge. To the kids from France and from London. But I was there. I was there in 1968. I was there at the first can show in Cologne. I'm losing my edge. I'm losing my edge to the kids whose footsteps I hear when they get on the decks. I'm losing my edge to the internet seekers who can tell me every member of every good group from 1962 to 1978 I'm losing my edge how's that sounding is that sounding pretty good is it is it sounding am, am I going too fast for being Will Shatner um you know I, I should probably have some music in the background but you know I'm, I'm kind of being lazy let's see what else is, is good there's oh. another part in this song I love I hear you're buying a synthesizer and an arpeggiator and are throwing your computer out the window because you want to make something real. You want to make a Yaz record. I hear you and your band have sold your guitars and bought turntables. I hear that you and your band have sold your turntables and bought guitars. I hear everybody that you know is more relevant than everybody that I know. I don't know. I'm not even trying the Will Shatner thing anymore. Um, but you kind of get the point. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is is I'm losing my edge. But yeah, so here's the Claxons remix done by Justice. As above, so below. And at the end, I'll play The Fallen, a remix of Franz Ferdinand, also done by Justice. Check it out. 
Yeah, so you're kind of producing right now, or um, I've been dabbling in it. I've been working more on making mixes with Ableton, but um, I've been dabbling more, and a lot of my friends are pretty decent at it. So I've been kind of learning and just picking things up. It's just I have a lot of projects that I want to do, and it's it's hard to fit producing in when I'm working on film stuff and DJ stuff and doing the day job thing and school. It's just it's just yeah. a lot. My mind is kind of like fried sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But Ableton's cool, man. I I, I love the program. I mean, I still do the podcast on it just because uh, once you get used to it, it's so easy to manipulate things. Yeah, once I got used to warping, it's pretty intuitive, especially for a, a DJ's mind. It it translates well for what DJs want to do into producing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just need to... Uh, I started off with Pro Tools, so I learned Ableton, and Ableton is... I think it's my favorite. I just, just need to put more time into the producing because that's that's the future of DJing it doesn't matter how skilled you are at DJing anymore it seems it matters it's like how many likes you have on SoundCloud and and what songs people like of yours or your remixes yeah is SoundCloud a big platform for DJs I mean uh definitely for producers like I use a lot of SoundCloud tracks in my mixes like I dig on SoundCloud like Cashmere Cat's becoming a pretty big producer and you know he got his start because people like this stuff on SoundCloud so it's a really good platform for upcoming producers to get their work out there yeah uh how about like live do you you don't really use ableton like performing live oh no i just use serato or serato dj like every set i do i just freestyle and improv and it's the only way is it if like as dj the crowd constantly changes and the mood of the room constantly changes so you have to be able to think on your feet and you know like whatever mood or instinct that i have i trust it and go with it in the moment yeah so there's no set list or I have vibes like when I play um, at the Delano at uh, Mandalay Bay. They're they're very strict about their brand, how they want to appear. So I'll create like a folder of all the songs that I think fits their brand, mm-hmm. and I'll DJ those tracks. But there's no like set order. There's just kind of like an overall general vibe that I go off of. Yeah, when I used to DJ, I never had like a set list, but I was kind of always feeling um, insecure that that I'd get into like a routine that like do I always go from this song to that song? You know, yeah. you get too comfortable with it. and mm-hmm. Do you sometimes feel like that, like you have trouble changing it up? Not really. I, there's some songs that I know that go really well together. Then sometimes I'm like, oh, I played this last time. Like, I'll try something different. Like, I'm not scared to, to try and experiment. I'm not, you know, like, that's what your headphones are for before the next song. You, you listen to see how it sounds. You're like, eh, I'll try this, or my mix point could be here. So let's see how this works, you know? Like, it's, I'm not scared to experiment music yeah now it used to be um i remember when you first got into djing like you seemed like a pretty strict vinyl dude and pretty strict indie dude like i was kind of surprised to see you actually coming up in kind of um a little bit of that that mainstream realm yeah Um, it's just when i first started off djing like it was i was kind of like a purist like oh i want to play on vinyl i was wasn't feeling the serato as much and 
I wanted to play what I wanted to play. Then when I started to get gigs and get booked at clubs, I soon found out that, hey, if you want to make money, you have to play club music. So I did that for a moment. And like, you can't, if you want to play a club or play a bigger venue in town, you can't play on vinyl. It won't work. They, you know, like in just keeping up with current songs, like all these remixes, like all these songs that I like to play or remixes, they're not on vinyl. Like you can't find them on vinyl. Yeah. Then it's just, plus music, music, goes it gets dated so fast nowadays that if you buy a song on vinyl in a couple of weeks it's not going to be hot anymore and you're like oh what am i going to do with this song yeah yeah so it's just i like the, the digital format i like having different choices i like being able to dig for music and like a lot of people who wouldn't have access to distribution on vinyl i can get their music and play it in sets or play it so serato i think it's been a great blessing like all the like a lot of the old school big djs transferred over eventually because they saw that it was the future yeah so. and it's still a challenge to learn you know but you have that visual element that really helps you through um i remember i think i was like addicted to the the slow fast forward or the slow rewind button and then i upgraded the software and i think they took it away yeah because i like i was still never too great about throwing the record like right on like cutting know? it on time yeah and yeah. that was like the little cheat and then they took away the cheat and i'm you have hot cues though you could just drop like i'll use a hot cue to drop in a song like yeah. you don't have to really baby scratch in you could just like drop the hot cue and drop it as long as you drop it on time it's just like cutting a record in pretty much yeah see that's maybe why <laughs> why you're still with it and 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 i'm kind of too lazy <laughs> <laughs> no, i feel you now i like this the software i enjoy serato I, I don't like serato dj as much like i like to scratch live but it's it seems like the realm is going into the controllers, which I don't I don't like playing on the controllers. It's like playing on a toy. I don't like it. Is that one of those things where it's like one huge piece? It's the mixer and the yeah. It's all one piece. Pioneer has a decent one. I forgot the model number, but it has the the, the it's almost like having two CDJs and a mixer. So it's close. Like it just it seems more sturdy than like a lot of the controllers that seem like they're just made by Fisher Price. Yeah, yeah. So, I like the sturdy feel. Like I like techniques and like a pioneer mixer or the cdjs and a pioneer mixer like i'll even play on the rain but i, I think i like the pioneer quality it's just it's great yeah yeah um so uh um so what do you think about club music does it have some artists really grown on you or does it kind of feel like it's just a gig or club music right now like it's it's just a gig and it's just i don't really like where it's at because it's all really hard house and it's just there's no there's no melody to it it's not melodic there's no soul to it it's just like turn up music rave music and it's just like there's no you can't really create a vibe it's just party 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 fist pump and it's i don't know i, I like underground club music but there's no market for it in vegas right now on a main level yeah yeah i i when i try and dj i'd always try and have songs that that had a melody and and you, you know, you can almost play on an acoustic guitar and still feel it, you know? Yeah, and it's just, like, I was talking to my friend the other day about this. It's just like, when was the last time you were complimented on your song selection? You know, like, out here, like, people want to hear the same songs over and over again. If you don't play their song, they get mad. You, people don't want to hear songs they've never heard before or different takes. They want, like, the same thing, the same song, so they can sing along to it. It's just, it's, they're not adventurous musically, and that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. We're like, that's why I'm taking more gigs where I can be a tastemaker where I can create a vibe where people are like oh what is the song that remix is dope I like that instead of just doing the cookie cutter club set yeah yeah well sometimes it feels like it's a little experimental as in these guys are making tracks to to kind of 
have a trippy effect when when um it's just like the putting it through these like huge speakers you know but then mm-hmm. when you put it on your car it just feels a little silly yeah exactly um, and even producers they're making song they're making remixes for the clubs they make like all their songs have eight bar intros they have their drop like they're making formulaic music because they want to chase a trend and hopefully get noticed like they're not making music for what they want to do a lot of them they're making music so hey i'm gonna do this remix this trap remix this twerk remix so i can get noticed or DJs will play my song in the club instead of like really genuinely making a song they want to make because they they enjoy it or dig it. They're just trying to get booked, get gigs, and it's just the nature of the game. And what's horrible, it seems like um, the way they're these clubs are really promoting these these venues. You know, you're not really hearing the music people's music anywhere. You're seeing the billboard. You're seeing, um, you know, they they book the guy who looks best on the billboard. You know, yeah, or <laughs> it just has a like. big, yeah, or like a numbers. It's like a numbers game, like. They're, they have big numbers on SoundCloud. They have big followers. It's it's definitely very marketing savvy and marketing heavy. And it's just, I don't even think the people who go to the clubs can tell a good mix from a bad mix. They just go because they heard of this producer. Or they like his songs and they can't, you know, they don't care what comes out of the speaker as long as it comes out. One artist, you know, Skrillex, he, you know, I don't really have a respect for too many of these DJs, but... Mm-hmm every time I read interviews with that guy and stuff, he seems like he, he just really has a great work ethic. You know, mm-hmm. he's just continuously doing that. You don't really see that guy on like Pepsi commercials or shit like that. You know, yeah. you guys, you still see that guy doing, um, you know, underground gigs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to go listen to his last album. And I think one of the biggest failures with that album is, is definitely the biggest failure of electronic music now or, or the whatever EDM mm-hmm. is, uh, the guy is not making it's not really like an album of music it's not really a coherent thing you know you can't really pick up the album and listen to it continuously and um he's not really challenging himself in the studio you know mm-hmm. and I, I guess we kind of um kind of touched on that a little bit but i i don't know <laughs> yeah, i feel you i've res- i think skrillex like i'm not the biggest fan of his music but i respect that he is a musician and he actually you know doesn't have not that I know of, as many ghost producers as other big producers have. So I think he has talent, and I, I appreciate what he's doing. But in regards to the album format, just the streaming and iTunes and singles have changed that. Like, it's hard to have, like, a genu- genuine, cohesive album be out anymore. Like, for example, like, Big Sean's album. I really, I liked it. But then when I Don't Fuck With You comes on, it's just like, that song doesn't really fit in the album, but you can tell that's the hit single for the album. The rest of the album goes well together, but that one song is the radio hit that doesn't fit, but it's still there to generate, you know, revenue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, another example is, uh, you know, Daft Punk's album with Get Lucky. Um, you know, I think they had the four-minute radio edit that was everywhere that got drilled into people's heads, mm-hmm. which was, in, in the four-minute version, it was a little bit annoying, but... Um, in the six-minute version on the album, coming after uh, you know that big, huge ballad they have beforehand, it, it's kind of like a really awesome piece. You yeah. know, it fits really perfect within the whole album. You know, yeah, Daft Punk—they're just—they're—they're they're very talented musicians, and you know, they—I'm glad to get lucky got big because like like it was weird. Blurred Lines was such a big song, and get, and uh, Get Lucky was such big songs, but they weren't super hard club music. And like Uptown Funk was probably the biggest song of the last year and that's not club music or EDM music either so I'm hoping that that is kind of a new 
direction people are going in. Like, I like the funk. I like, like, that Marvin Gaye kind of airy feel. And this is funny. When you play it in the club, it still gets it still gets that, like, people still like it, but it just doesn't feel as hard. Yeah, know? yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's just interesting playing those songs in the club because it's softer, but... I'd rather have somebody groove than somebody rave and like fist pump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is really cool about Uptown Funk, man. You can you can feel it's like a real bass, a a real horn six, section. You know, it's got that club compression. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, another one is like LCD Sound System and and the Rapture. You know, th- that's kind of where um, dance music came back because those guys were trying to make raw records but with that compression that you yeah. could play in the club that stuff was fun like it's funny i went to splash house recently in palm springs the music festival and um rac was djing and he actually dropped house of jealous lovers i was like oh man i love this track i forgot about this track i haven't listened to it in a while and it sounds so great but just like the, the people around were younger and they i don't think they knew like how important that song was back when it came out yeah that song was like so huge when it came out i remember them playing on it MTV and it's just <laughs> good. it's just like what's happening you know watching that video it's just so raw and edgy and and I remember like when someone would play that like at a house party it, it was over for the rest of the night like that that just exploded the house party S- suddenly people were just weren't so awkward and standing in the corners it's like we really had something yeah and like it's just funny if I play that song in a club out here people would be like what the f- what is this? Yeah. But if I played it like maybe somewhere like in LA, they'd be like, "Oh, this track's cool. Yeah. Like, I like it. Like I like I like playing for people who want to hear new music or different music or actually, you know, they they take the time to to listen to what's out there besides what's on the radio or besides what's popular because there's such great music outside of pop music and outside of the radio that I just wish people. I don't know if they don't have time or they just don't care would tap into more because it makes it more fun to DJ when you have more of a variety to play from. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, are there any uh, artists, newer artists that you really dig? Yeah, uh, I love Disclosure. Like they're they're some of my those two guys are just great. I like them yeah. a lot. I think Sam Smith has a great voice. I love Sam Smith's voice. Mm, I like Lido a lot. He's a great producer. Um, the, I think The Weeknd is pretty talented. His new single uh, "Can't Feel My Face" is dope. It has that funky kind of vibe. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I like Sango, Taku, a lot of producers, like a lot of these SoundCloud producers. You know, I enjoy it, and that's what I, I put those on my mixes. Like, I don't make mixes to get booked at club gigs. I make mixes that, like, oh, I think this is dope, or people can watch their car to this mix or listen to this mix, or, you know, they can they can listen to it outside of partying. And, like, I'm, I kind of like going that route right now. Yeah. Yeah, we saw um, Disclosure live when they came to House of Blues. That was a pretty sick show. Was it Brooklyn Bowl or House of Blues? Sorry, Brooklyn Bowl. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. there. That show was dope. Yeah, yeah, it was. See, I'd rather see them in a live set than a DJ set. Like, they're, yeah. they're talented musicians. That was a great show. Like, I'm actually wearing the hat I got at the show right now, you oh, know? Really? Like, that was a dope, dope show. And, like... Yeah, it was really cool. And you could tell the guy's, like, playing the bass line, and it's just killer because you're, you know... It's starting to feel great and weird and unique to, to see people actually playing on a stage again you know and it is feeling fresh mm-hmm. um you know for a while there it, it felt kind of weird and cool to see someone playing with a laptop on stage and yeah. i think we're moving away from that i know it'll always be in the clubs i think we've got like at least another decade and it'll probably be 
coming back and forth, but maybe mm-hmm. people might be getting away from that a little bit. Maybe not so much in the tourist thing, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping like like the EDM bubble does kind of burst. I'm ready for something different. Yeah, you know, like I like Deep House. I think Deep House is dope, but like Disclosure is good because they're musicians. They write songs. They have the electronic sounds, but they have real melodies. Like it's a real melody. It sounds good. It's catchy. You know, that's what's a lot of like a lot of producers just like go in there and just like trial and error to get it right. You know, oh, I'll just I'll just tap this melody out till it sounds good. You know, like they actually go in with the game plan. Like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna write this song, and it's just a difference. You know, like like a lot of these big producers aren't musicians, and like you can tell. Yeah. Uh, did you ever go out to EDC or anything? Or no? um, I've DJed like a Red Bull event or EDC but I don't like I think this year they had some decent acts that I would have wanted to see but I just don't know if I can handle like the whole crowd and commotion and I don't I'm not a drug person at all I don't like drugs so I just don't know like if I would vibe well I'd rather go to like Rock the Bells or like Splash House like I went to or something that's just like not as big yeah definitely you know maybe I feel like I'm getting old but it feels like it's just a bunch of kids out in the desert with like lights and and drugs and the music's kind of like the background exactly and like like I was talking about this with another friend before like like I went to Coachella like in 07 and Mm -hmm. like that was awesome because like most people I felt were there for the music like they had all these great acts then I think as Coachella's gotten bigger I feel like people were more there for the experience and music's kind of like the background you know like i was i was like i was there like i had a list of bands and rappers and artists i wanted to see like i made a freaking like mixtape of all the bands or that are playing like and it was such a fun time but now it's just like like that whole who's outcast thing at coachella like people who's outcast like that like what? that depressed me like people didn't know who outcast was when they headline coachella i'm like are you serious yeah oh my god i, I gotta tell you the story um trisha's sister my wife mm-hmm. uh she went out to Coachella this la- this last year. She didn't realize Jack White was the former lead singer of the White Stripes. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man! He puts the white in the White Stripes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, the next morning, Trish texts her asking her how the set was, you know, and she's yeah. like, "What are you talking about?" I, and then w- when she realized who it was, she was really bummed out that she missed it. Yeah. Like, that's your own damn fault at least do some research right you know i don't know i guess it's because i i like music so much like i, I research different genres and different decades and different time periods like i can't just listen to dj music because i i'll i don't know i have to have other stuff that i listen to other songs other music like i'll go through listening to motown songs again because it's just nice that there's feeling in those songs and it's different and it's just good to hear since i can't just listen to party music all day i'll go crazy yeah are were any of your parents um into music very much or um not not really like my mom liked like barbara streisand and like when i was a kid that was like and yeah. celine dion my mom wasn't really into music too much she liked her like divas or whatever my pops was into music a little bit like he had some taste but um my dad was more into film and that's where like I found my love for film like like film's my number one love like I love DJing and music but film's kind of like I'm returning to that that arena now and actually got a position on a film doing the, the, the music supervision which is marrying both and it's kind of a cool route to take and I'm enjoying that that's cool man so do you think you'll your career is gonna go more that direction you went to school like for that that's what I'm thinking DJ, I like DJing and it's great I just don't like the marketplace right now of where it's at and 
it has a shelf life. Life. I don't want to be like forty and being like, hey, hey, babe, watch the kids. I'm going to DJ the club real quick. I don't know if I want that life. Yeah. Like in film, you know, like I don't know, like if you if you write a script or make a movie, that's gonna like live forever. And like just like if I DJ a club, like March third, nobody's gonna be like, oh, remember March third when you DJed the club? You know, like <laughs> I'd rather have like a film that I made or like something that I worked on live forever and I don't know I just love the medium of film it's it's awesome and music is too so I'm looking the route to marry both like if I could DJ all day and write screenplays I'll do both all day long like I love DJing mm-hmm. but I'd have to have I'd have to have something else like I couldn't be a full-time DJ the rest of my life I don't know if I would enjoy that life so you want to go the the screenwriter position or is that the main one I like screenwriting a lot and just doing the music supervision on this film is is really fun process. Like I'm enjoying contacting artists, like like applying like what song I like to a film, like a scene in the film, and see what kind of emotional connection I can I can bring together. It's kind of like DJing, where you're like, all right, I'm gonna play this song to make people feel this way, but it's just like with a film. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cool, like getting that emotional response out of people with a a song and a moving image. Were there any movies that really got you into uh, this career path? This career path, trying to like go back on it, like, or just even when you were young, that like when you first saw the movie, you're like, shit, like music wise or just just in general, just in general, or uh, both, you know. Oh man, there's there's so many movies that I've been influenced by. Like when I was a kid, my dad always showed me that film Brazil by Terry Gilliam. Yeah, and I was always trying to understand it, but like if you watch it when you're eight, you, you can't get the whole message behind it. So. I continually watched that movie as I got older and later I got to understand more and more what the film meant. So that was like a film that stuck with me through childhood. Mm, Like when a film's really great, I get jealous of it. Like when Eternal Sunshine came out, I was so jealous. I didn't think of that concept. Yeah. So that kind of got me where I'm like, oh, that's such a great concept. I didn't think of that. And I got kind of like, oh, I was jelly. I'm jealous. I didn't think of that. So movies, like I just watched Ex Machina, which is so good. I was like, wow, I wish I would have wrote this. I'm kind of jealous. So like when a movie's, I get jealous and the movie's good. I'm like, damn. Yeah. That could have been me. Eternal Sunshine was crazy, man. Yeah, it was great. And like, even when it came out, like I, like I understood it. But as I've gotten older and experienced more relationships, then like it really like makes more and more sense. That's what's cool about movies. You can watch them again as you get older and older and older, and you can take different, different lessons and different ideas from them. Yeah. Were you, were you into some of Charlie Kaufman's other stuff before that? Or? Yeah. Like being John Malkovich was great. I like yeah. the movie a lot. It's really good. Um, I didn't like Synecdoche, New York as much. It was like, I think he got two in his own mind there. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I should, it's probably it, worth it's his, I think seeing. It, his directorial debut. I haven't watched it since the theater, so it was cool. I'm trying to remember his other films that he wrote. Like, Adaptation was like, it was cool. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite. Like, Eternal Sunshine and Bian Malkovich are like the two that I stick with from him. And there was this one that, I forget it was called Human Beings or something. It was, I think it was with Tim Robbins where, uh. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch didn't, that one. Didn't catch that one. I'm a big Coen Brothers fan, though. Love the yeah. Coen Brothers. Yeah. Well, um, the title of the podcast, I don't know if you caught it. It was a Big Lebowski reference, but... Wait, I didn't even get the title. What was the title? The The Dudist Papers. Oh, see? <laughs> see? So, I don't know. Yeah, but, the, uh, b- yeah the Big Lebowski. That was a movie I watched when it first came out, and like as I grew older, understood it more and more, you know? Yeah. It's not... It doesn't have the greatest plot, but it... 
I don't know. They, they have the best characters. That's why their characters are so memorable. Like he wrote a check for twenty nine cents. Like you already, all you need to know about that guy was in that. I was like, they're so good with character to action. Like he wrote a check for twenty nine cents for a thing of milk. Yeah. So you already knew what kind of guy he was. Yeah, and I don't know much of the Cohen brothers' other stuff. I should probably get into it. Anyway. Oh, they um, Fargo. Okay, I've seen that one. Fargo, No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. And the interesting, the cool thing about that movie is that there's no score in it. And it remained, and it had so much tension and so much action, but it didn't need music to give it to you, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that movie was crazy, man. Yeah, that's that was, that's the, I think that was the best movie of the last decade. That one, I yeah. liked it a lot. Inglorious Bastards was one movie that, um, and it was pretty awesome. I, I think it lost for Best Picture that year, and I, was, I, I think it lost to The Hurt Locker. Yeah, uh, and and they're both pretty awesome, but yeah, I I think that was the best Tarantino film since Pulp Fiction. I like Brad Pitt in that movie a lot. He's he's great. Brad yeah. Pitt's awesome. Like I, not, people dis, dismiss him sometimes, but I think I like Brad Pitt a lot. Like when he like in Twelve Monkeys, he played a crazy person really well. Like he's just had really good roles, and he does well in those roles. You can tell he's got a pretty w- great work ethic. Yeah, and um, and he doesn't have much of an ego either. You yeah. know, he seems like a pretty laid back dude. Yeah, it seems like he's a cool dude. Like I would hang out with Brad Pitt. Fuck yeah, we'd be cool. Yeah, talk. Uh. It, it, is there anybody in film that that you really it, for anybody you could sit with them and and you really want to talk w- with them? Probably be like the Coen Brothers or Christopher Nolan. Those are the probably the people I respect most making movies now. Yeah, I haven't seen that last Christopher Nolan pick yet. Interstellar. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It's pretty good. I'm a physics fan, so I enjoyed the 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 whole concepts behind time and all that. I think it's a great movie. It's yeah. long though. Yeah, it's long. Um, you've had some film projects already, right? You, I know you do the twenty-four hour film festival. Yeah, I did the forty-eight hour film festival a couple times. It was cool. I enjoyed it. I I just learned that I'd rather be a part of the pre-production, like writing, or the post-production, like doing music supervision. I, I don't know if I really enjoy being on set as much. Like, like I've done a lot of stuff with Jabberwockies, like when they've done their commercial. Like so we just did a, a, a Snickers commercial. Um, I've done like the music videos. I've worked with them on that. Like it's cool, but my strength is more of writing or music supervision or things of that nature. Or coordinating and producing. I'm okay at it. You know, I'm getting better and learning. But yeah, I don't know if I want to be a director. I don't know if I want, I want to go that route. But you want to move out to LA? You're talking I'm about thinking about it. It's just with like my resume and just. I'm finishing up my degree finally in August, so with all of that, I just don't see what Vegas has to offer for me in that realm. Mm-hmm. And with music and film, those are my two passions. And out here, like I've worked for Jabberwockies, I've DJed at some of the big clubs out here, and like I feel like I don't know what else I could really do. So yeah. I moved to LA and kind of worked my way that way. But I saw you got some DJ gigs out there, right? Yeah, my my booking agency is actually based in LA. Oh, cool. So they have connections out there. So if I move out there, I could have some DJ work. But I'd kind of want to do something full-time, like with film or marketing. Yeah. And just continue working at my craft of writing and just doing music. Like, I'm going to do music and writing. I'm going to always do that. So just trying to figure out the best course of my career, which would probably be Los Angeles. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so what is the, the day gig right now? What's the uh, day job? Jabberwockies. I um yeah I kind of work for them part time where I I I stage manage the show I can trigger all the audio visual cues with this program called Q Lab so I'm a part of like the show's production mm-hmm. but I'm kind of the swing for this the current stage manager 
and the current show control operator. So I can do both tracks, but I'm, I'm the only one who can do that. So yeah, are those guys cool guys? Oh, I love those guys. They're great. They're great dudes. Yeah. Always have my back and supported me and they're dope. Is it always the same guys? They probably have some understudies. Do they? They have some other guys that, um, that dance with them. Yeah. For sure. Like they have, um, if they're doing gigs in other parts, you know, they can't do everything. But they have other people in the show. There's more cast members, super crews in the show. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, I remember your your old day gig used to be. You did a lot of at the pool, right? You. I, uh, I did like food and beverage stuff back in the day. Yeah. And like like food running or bar backing when I was younger. Uh, I, I I can't ever go back to it unless yeah. I had to. I just I I I don't like that world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like it'd be something fun, but I, I guess you really get burnt out on it, like everything, right? It's fun, but it's just for me. It's just I didn't. There's nothing I can do with it. Like if I. From there, I can be a restaurant manager or a general manager. It's just something I'm not passionate about. So I'd rather spend my time getting good at something else. Like if I'm getting good at food running, you know, it's not really going to help me out in life. I'd rather get good at music or film or something that I pers- personally enjoy. That's why I went back to school. I got scared. I needed, like, sometimes DJing's turbulent. Like you can kill it or you can be, you know, not getting gigs. So I'm like, oh, I better get a backup plan quick. And so I was like, I better finish my degree, so I'll have that. And I got on with Jabberwockies again, so I have that. It's just a lot of DJs just focus on killing it, but they don't have a backup plan for the future, and it's kind of scary. Yeah. Any gig that you really you really loved, you really felt like you hit it? Yeah, I, um, I DJed um, like this like the exclusive VIP uh, party at the Jay-Z concert at Mandalay Bay. Okay. And... It was awesome because like Timberland was in the room and Timberland like went up to the people from Live Nation and was like, "Hey, I really like what this DJ is doing." And like it's just like hearing Timberland compliment my song selection. I was just like, "Because uh, he's yeah. I love Timberland. He's the man." Yeah. So I enjoyed that gig a lot. Uh, I just did a gig in um, LA at uh, the Mondrian at Sky Bar, uh-huh. and they gave me like carte blanche. They're like, "Hey, play whatever you want." So I got to play like really cool deep house and jersey club like songs and remixes and like the crowd understood it and got it so it felt really good being able to play like in a beautiful venue and play great music and have people actually get it mm-hmm. and like it felt good like i i, I like that when i can like play songs that i want to play and people understand it instead of having to be like oh f- they're not getting it and play turn down for what you know <laughs> but those are i mean like turn down for what i mean it's a song that kind of gets in your head and but yeah after it's so many times that's the thing when i dj like, i don't mind playing club gigs but i need a balance where i need to play i'll play a club gig and just play my most like upbeat turned up ratchet set and it's fun like i enjoy it like i enjoy club gigs but i need a trade-off where i'm like all right i need to go play a gig where i can play cool pool music all day like i can't just be one or the other like, i need to have a party gig then i need to have a gig where i can be myself like i need that balance i can't just be one or the other all the time are you working on any script right now, or you're? Oh really yeah, I'm working on um, a full length, a TV show idea, and then, then I have a music video. I'm actually writing for a major artist for a major label, but I can't go into it yet because I have to pitch it. Oh. <laughs> so if it gets pitched and it gets, and I get the green light from the the big label, it could be really big and really dope. But I, I can't I can't say it yet. Okay, maybe call me and let or text me. And let me know t- if you get it. I, I could I could tell you off the record. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to like put it out there yet. I I never I never like talking about gigs before they're 100. percent Like I've yeah. had things where I'm like, oh, that's gonna be 
huge but like it never goes through till it's 100 percent done completed like you never know like how entertainment's a topsy-turvy crazy world where you think you have this big thing then it's never official till it's done yeah so yeah i'm excited though i'm excited like like doing the music supervision on this feature film out here is really fun like i'm enjoying the process so much it's something that i really want to focus on and learning how to get in to in la like that's why one of the reasons i got on with jabberwockies was to you know network too and meet their connections and meet people and kind of find my way in the industry which is really cool i got that out here which like in vegas there's not a lot of options where you can get kind of entertainment experience unless you're at a nightclub yeah any exciting gigs you have coming up um i'm playing it um the franklin at delano tonight it's more of like that tastemaker the venue's beautiful you play cool music just music people can talk to and chill with um playing at bond at cosmopolitan which is more of kind of a mixture where i can keep it cool and chill then if it gets party atmosphere i could turn it up and make it like a party Mm -hmm. i really like playing there too then my booking agent and i have talks about going back to arizona doing some gigs in scottsdale doing some la dates things like that so it's everything's always up in the air but i just did a rolls royce gig in la which was really good too like i got a great response from the rolls royce corporate so there's some some talks going on there as well which can be really great i opened up for saint vincent recently at, at the boulevard pool which is really cool oh yeah i totally forgot about that dude she's she's good I mean, she's like a wizard level 45 at guitar she's crazy good i fucking love her so much she's dope she's she's really cool really nice like very professional during sound check like she was dope so i got to play like you know so you got to hang out with her a little bit i didn't really get a chance to hang out with her just a brief introduction yeah. but she seems super cool How'd you get that gig? Did they like? Did they have a band and they canceled or? No, they um, Cosmopolitan's uh, booking agency hit me up and they're like, "Hey, um, we want you to submit a mix, and submit your EPK for a chance to open for." And yeah. they had other DJs submit it, but I guess I think my mix and just the thing that the image they wanted to go with, I fit the best for that, and they booked me. So Cosmo's done that a lot for me for a few times. Like I got to open for Die Antwoord, which is yeah. the strangest concert i've ever seen yeah but it was kind of fun did you talk to them those guys seem fucking weird i didn't really talk to them they seemed kind of weird but yeah. it was just funny like i think they broke some rules that cosmopolitan didn't want them to do like there's like an a, a <laughs> like a visual of like these dolls with like huge penises <laughs> and like the, they, this first song they started with is called fuck them in the ass I was like <laughs> <laughs> but it was like i didn't like i didn't really like like their music but like I strangely enough enjoyed the concert. It was weird. Like yeah. I'm like I don't want to like this, but I kind of do. It's just like it's, it's like it's like I was wrestling inside, but I kind of liked it. Like I I had a good time. Yeah, yeah. Like I watch your videos. I'm like this is awful, but they seem like they're doing something creative, unique, and yeah. I don't like the visuals too. Like I, like the I don't like all like the the contacts with the, the whole black eye. Like yeah. the whole like I don't like the aesthetics of it, like the whole like pitbull mask or something yeah. like it's it's kind of weird to me but live it was kind of entertaining like i don't yeah. know why it was weird and that's part of the appeal is it seems to get under your skin and, and you don't like it it's it's almost like watching a horror movie or something yeah. you know you're like i'm uncomfortable with this but like i think uh, like you know like i don't want to say normal people but like you know the typical person's you know kind of uncomfortable with it but like then they have like those people that are like oh this is so awesome i love it i live this way like some people really embrace that lifestyle which is cool long as you don't hurt anybody or be super offensive it's okay yeah yeah so how how uh the saint vincent people did they seem to did the crowd seem to enjoy you yeah i think they were cool like i think they yeah. were there for saint vincent like it was more like the indie hipster crowd so they're not really like 
you know, the partiers. I just want to, like, you know, groove or whatever. Like, I, you know, I got to play some, like, cool stuff. Nothing too crazy. I didn't, like, when I open for bands, I try not to be too much of, like, you know, playing really hyper, really club music. I try to, like, start the night off and kind of set the fuse. So, like, when by the time they can go on, they can kind of blow it up or whatever. Yeah. So, I try not to steal too much glory from them because that's not what you're, you're not there. It's not, you're not there to be the headliner. You're there to, like, set it up for the headliner. Yeah, but she's so f- sick as fuck, man. I, I, yeah, she's funny though. She was like telling these really random stories. Like she'd be in the middle of her set and she'd start talking about the randomest story. Like you can tell she's like, she's like a genius. Yeah. But she's really eccentric. So like, she's like she lives in a different world, which is cool. Yeah, I heard David Byrne was like, I heard he didn't even really get a feel for her as a person. He he couldn't really. Like, he doesn't know much about her even after they did an album and tour and all that promotion together, you know? Yeah, like, she, she seems like she's very friendly, but I don't know. Like, like a, like a, she seems like she's like a really, like, nice, polite, cool robot, but not. It's weird. It's like, I can't put it into words. Yeah. But, like, like she's not of this world is what it seemed like. Like, I don't know. That's what it seemed to me. Yeah. Well, that's fucking awesome, man. I, I'm really, uh... I'm really proud of, of all your achievements and, and you actually seem to be making it out in the, the DJ world, even though, you know, you're kind of trying to go a little bit in the film direction now, yeah. you know. I still love the DJ game and, like, I'll always pursue it. It's just that I know where the market is and I know what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to just be a super, like, kiss-ass to everybody to get gigs like in the dj game like all these people just go network and like it doesn't matter how good you are it just matters who you know and like i don't like that like you know like i feel like if you write a screenplay like it has to be good or it won't get made you know like you can be a terrible dj and be very marketable and headline big clubs paris hilton see <laughs> yeah she just frowned upon in the that scene yeah it's just yeah. well she's frowned upon in any scene in any but. scene but yeah it's just even like a lot of the like like uh, Z Trip was there's like this video going around about Z Trip talking at this ED, EDC kind of conference about people pre-planning their sets and this other guy I forgot where he was from he was saying how hey David Copperfield always does the same set and plays his set and Z Trip's like nah we're fucking DJs you know it was really cool because Z Trip's a very very talented well-respected DJ and like like thank God a track. Jazzy Jeff and Z Tripper around because they're very talented, and I don't think they get the credit they deserve for how good they are. Craze too, DJ Craze is awesome too. Yeah, it's just the producers are kind of taking over, and like the only way to showcase your production is DJing. So a lot of these producers don't have the DJ chops, but they're getting booked as DJs because that's the only way they can showcase their bedroom or studio production. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean All I've known you for a while. I've known you since what you're maybe eighteen or nineteen. I'm 31 now, so it's been a minute. Shit. Yeah, so that sounds about right, because, yeah, I think I was, like, maybe 20, 21, 22. I'm 32, so. Yeah, I'm a year younger. So yeah. You, yeah. And people tell me I'm kind of youthful, but you you look really youthful. I mean, you probably, I, looks like you maintain your weight a little bit better. I work in a cubicle, so, you know yeah, that I is. need to I need to work out more. I know that. Like, I just, like, hurt my hamstring randomly. Like, I don't know how the guy stepped wrong. It's yeah. Like, damn, it's like, I hurt my hamstring. Like, this, like, I'm getting old. Like, like right when, like, after we're done with this, I'm going to have to, like, stand up slowly and stretch my <laughs> hamstring out. It's, like, weird. Like, but, like, I try to, like, I know I need to work out more, but at least, like, maybe not drinking and doing drugs has kept my youthful face. Yeah. Which is good, I guess. 
And like, you know, white people, we don't age usually that well, you know? So you don't drink either? No. Like, maybe, like, if I get, like, if it's, like, a, a person's, like, birthday or, like, a special event or, like, if I go on a date with a girl and, like, you know, like, man, I'll, I'll have a drink. But, like, one. I'm not going to get crazy. Like, on my birthday, I don't get, like, crazy drunk. Yeah, see, you know, I think I remember that, that you you didn't drink back then either. But yeah. it feels like you're always out, you know, hanging out at the bars and having a good time. So I, I didn't really yeah. recollect that about you. Yeah, I, I just... Not like I don't. I don't really need alcohol to stimulate me being social or me being. You know, it was just never your thing. Never my. It's just like family things back in the day where it's just like alcohol and drugs really rubbed me the wrong way growing up, and I was kind of like I saw it as like almost like a crutch or a weakness. Yeah. But then I when I grew out older, I'm like I understand that you know it's cool that people drink in moderation and have a good time as long as they're safe and not you know too crazy about it. Were either of your parents much drinkers? Yeah, my much? dad was like a heavy drinker. Yeah. So, so I was kind of like, eh, I'm cool. Then like my brother was like, my half brother, half. He yeah. was like a heavy drug user. And I was kind of like, I'm cool. Like I don't, I was, I was kind of like stayed away from that. Then my mom, like my, my little sister, my full sister, she's handicapped and autistic. So if I was like drinking and doing drugs growing up, my single mom would have had a really tough time. So I think I always try to stay responsible to make sure I was a good person and kind of help my mom out at the same time. Wait, so so your sisters, you have a full sister that's handicapped, you mm-hmm. have a half brother that he did have some drug issues? He did, I, I don't know where he's at with that anymore. Like yeah. we, we, we're cool, but we don't really talk. Like mm-hmm. he was doing like Oxycontin and heroin and stuff. And I think he got off it and did methadone, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I was kind of always turned off by that. Like, I think he's trying to do, do right now and get his life back together at 40 you know so yeah. i hopefully he does well whatever i can do to help i will but I never kind of into that like because it's like yeah. do you know if he's in vegas now he still? moved to like he moved in with my pops in washington okay but then i think he moved in with his mom somewhere else and i think he's like working now finally which is good and i think he's kind of getting back on track which is really cool so this was from a your dad's previous relationship yeah his first wife yeah then okay. he married my mom after then, then he had me he had my little sister who was like autistic, like severely. So that kind of, I think that set off his drinking. Yeah. Having to do with that. Then my mom was like the single hardworking mom, always worked. Like my dad wasn't working when I was like anywhere from when I was two to like 19, he didn't work. Oh shit. <laughs> so like my mom was like, that's why I'm such like a, a mama's boy or like really polite and treat women well because like my mom's like, that's like the lady. It's like the Kevin Durant, you're the real MVP. You know, yeah. like it's like, that's why I like, He's my favorite player because that speech and just being a good person, like he's dope. So like, just my mom's just the best. So yeah. What 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 was your mom doing for work? She was a uh, cocktailing. Cocktailing. So she'd be cocktailing swing shifts for queens. For queens. Then like pick me up at like two in the morning and my sister, then like get us ready for school, then go back and do it all over again. So she was always busting her ass. Yeah. So how how old's your sister now? She's twenty eight. Twenty eight. Is she um. What did she do? Is she with Opportunity Village? Or She's anything? in a. She got um, taken away by the state and put into a facility in Reno, which kind of really hurt my mom. But it kind of needed to happen because she, we didn't, we couldn't provide her with the time and care she needs. Yeah. And out there, she has like full time supervision, people trying to teach her. Like, you know, she can never talk or things. But I think she's. She's functioning, it, which is really funny. She can actually swim, and I can't, which is just like, all right, see. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, so could could she bathe herself or did your mom have my to mom had to do everything oh, wow 
And she's, she's the best. Yeah, man. Yes. See, if oh. I was a bad kid, then like my mom would have had a twenty times harder time like dealing with a bad kid and a handicapped daughter. Like, I think that's one reason why I, I turned out the way I, I am because I couldn't be a bad kid or make stupid choices because I had to be responsible for my mom. You know. So is your dad totally out of the picture now? We're cool. Like, we're friends. Yeah. Like we're cool. Like we text or talk or like I, I try to be cool with them. Like I don't. Yeah. You know, like, he he's done some things in the past where I'm like. I didn't forget that, but like I understand that like I have to be the bigger person, even though he's my dad. I still have to be like the mature adult. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I don't call, he probably like, "Why don't you call me?" I'm like, yeah, okay, hey, hello, dad. You know, like he's kind of a baby. So, so your parents are they're divorced now? Yeah, or? they've been divorced. Like, yeah. don't don't they hate, don't like each other? <laughs> yeah, they don't really talk. Yeah. and it's just if I bring up my mom, I'm, my dad would be like, my, "Your damn mother!" And if I bring up my my uh, dad and my mom. My mom, but your fucking dad. <laughs> it was just funny, yeah. you know. And it's like it didn't really have an effect on me that they divorced. It's yeah. just like I understood. And is he in Vegas? He's in like Washington. Okay, he's in Washington. Yeah. Did you say in your brother's there too, or he he moved? I think he's. I don't know if he's in Idaho or Washington, like where okay. with his mom. So he's out out there somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, I guess. Yeah. But you were born and raised in yeah. Vegas. Yeah. You've been here my whole life. Where'd you go to high school? Bonanza. Bonanza. Okay. And uh. Uh, so were you mostly on the west side? I grew up like my mom. Like we we had an apartment on Sahara and Decatur when I was a kid, and my mom. Then my dad we lived on Eastern and Washington, which is right mm-hmm. by Rancho High School. Mm-hmm. Then my mom moved to like Summerlin in '92. Okay. My dad stayed in the hood on Eastern and Washington. Okay. So I've kind of like I grew up in Summerlin, then I grew up in like a bad area with my dad. So it was kind of interesting growing up with that but I actually had more fun in the bad area because kids actually went outside and played sports and they didn't just play GameCube or Nintendo 64 all day in the house like they did when at my mom's neighborhood yeah I grew up in uh, lakes and Summerlin man yeah nobody was outside people don't get out too much it's too fucking hot in the summer here man yeah see in, in like my neighborhood like we're always out and about like doing things we're always like going places or playing basketball it's like we didn't care fuck man maybe I'll move out there if I have kids <laughs> Right, but the school system, like the school system out there, is worse. So it's just like if you have kids, like I'll move out of Vegas and go to a city with a better school system. Yeah, cool, man. Well, I think I, I think we're pretty good, man. Cool. It's, it's great talking to you, man. You Thanks too, bro. For coming out, Morgan. Thanks for having me, bro. That's the interview. You like Morgan? I like Morgan. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out. Um, find me on the internet, all over the internet. Um, I'm on iTunes now. You can you can subscribe to me on iTunes. You can write a review. Um, but thanks again. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>